You know, when you've preached a thousand times or more, it can sometimes become, oh yes, I'm going to get the word ready. And I did that. The Lord's been speaking to me and yesterday afternoon I sat down and, and, and wrote what he laid on my heart. But this morning, as I was in the bathroom cleaning my teeth, very special moment, the Lord said to me, David, I want you to open the vault this morning. And uh, Scott just prayed that. Um, there were people prayed for me out the back. The Lord said to me that there are things that are in my heart and my soul that he wants to let out today. I don't even know what they are. So they're going to happen as we go. Some are probably in my notes and some may not be. But I want to be vulnerable before you and say that this morning there are some things that I'll be saying or sharing that will be, I believe, from the Lord that may be speaking direct into your heart um, or not, as the case may be. But I don't carry the load for that. I just simply am the messenger of what the Lord wants to bring as a blessing this morning. So, Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here. Father, you know each heart intimately, and I ask that you would cause the words of life that you want for each heart to receive, to cut through today, to reach the place of deposit that you want, Lord. Thank you for the privilege, Jesus. Amen. When we meet on a Saturday morning for prayer here, we, there's a few of us meet every Saturday to pray for the church and pray for the Sunday. So you prayed up before you even get here. I just thought I'd share that. But what we do is I, I, I say to people, what's the Lord saying? What's the Lord saying? What's the Lord saying? And it's quite incredible how the pieces come together. And we go, aha, that's what the Lord's saying. Now, I think that the Lord spoke to a number of you this morning before you came to church. And I'm going to ask you, what's the Lord saying? Call something out that you think the Lord might have said to you this morning. He was talking. Sorry? Calling. The Lord is calling. Love. Let's get there. <laughs> Amen. Put me on the rock. Death has lost its sting. Thank you. Any other words that the Lord might have spoken to you this morning? Yes. Yes. In a knapsack, yes. Thank you, Lord. Let me put, put the burdens. Take, put, put your burdens on me. Yes, on Jesus. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. See, the Lord is speaking, and he's saying something through each of us for not just our benefit, but for the benefit of those who are part of the family. 
And that's what happened at Pentecost. That's what happened when the Holy Spirit came. Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection. But it's a season of feasting in the Jewish calendar. It started with the Passover, which is the night that Jesus was crucified. Then there was the resurrection, which is celebrating the first fruits. There was a feast of first fruits, which is when the people came and they brought their offerings to God of the first fruits of their harvests. And then 40 days after the resurrection, there was the ascension where Jesus was standing in the Mount of Olives with his disciples and he said to them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the power comes on you and then you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then 10 days later, after his ascension, which was 40 days after the resurrection, he ascended to heaven, comes the Holy Spirit onto the people waiting as Jesus had asked them to wait. Now, last Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about this at Kinship, and I said, how do you think it felt for the disciples as they see Jesus go to heaven, and they're standing looking up, and then two angels come and arrive and say, what are you looking up for? You know, he's gone. He's told you to wait. He's going to come back the same way, so now go and wait. Now, I'm abbreviating what the angels might have said there, but effectively, that's what they said. And so the people had to wait. Now, they didn't know how long it was going to be. We're told to wait sometimes, and it is a long wait. But these guys, these people, these disciples were together, and I believe there was the men and the women there. They were together waiting. Now, I had the privilege a few years ago of being in Jerusalem, and I went into the place they believe was the upper room, and it's probably about this big, I guess. And so there were 120 of them gathered in that upper room, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and then they went out and that was the day that people heard them now they obviously uh, there's some conversation about where they went but they probably went to the temple I believe because that's where all the people would have been gathered because it was the next celebration which was the feast of weeks which is seven weeks by seven days is 49 days plus a day is Pentecost, we call it Pentecost, it's, it's the wheat harvest celebration. And so here we have all the people gathered together in Jerusalem because they went to Jerusalem for all the feasts because that was the centre of their life and that's where God was because he lived in their understanding in the Holy of Holies. That's where the presence of God was. And so they came to Jerusalem and they brought the celebration of the wheat harvest. Now I think it's more than a coincidence that the Holy Spirit came at the same time as they were celebrating the wheat harvest. Because what did Jesus say? The fields are white with wheat, like wheat. The harvest is ready, but you can't harvest without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's a connection between the fact that it was the wheat harvest they were celebrating and the Holy Spirit came on that time, at that time, on the disciples to reach out into the whole world with the good news of Jesus. So let's have a look at what happened with this commissioning that Jesus spoke of. Jesus said to the disciples, do not leave, this is in Acts 1 verse something, 4, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now this can be very confusing and confronting to Christians, this passage of scripture. Because I know a lot of Christians who say, well, I don't understand this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain to you what I believe happens when we give our lives to Jesus and what happens here. When we give our lives to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. What happens is when we say yes to Jesus, we are saying we are going to die to ourselves. And our spirit that we are born with, and we all have a spirit as part of our soul, we choose to, to kill our spirit. And we let God bring our spirit alive in him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our spirit is like putting a, one of those things they stick on you in the hospital, you know, the boom, boom. And that's the Holy Spirit hits our spirit and we come alive again in our spirit unto God. Does that make sense to you? That's what happens when we give our lives to Jesus because we've said, it's no longer I that, that rule and reign in my life, Lord. It is you. I'm letting you come and be God sovereign lord over my life and so my spirit the one that i had let the world take hold of and shape and teach has chosen to die and i want to let my spirit be born again in christ jesus by the power of the holy spirit and that's what happens when we give our lives to jesus but what also comes after that is the holy spirit comes upon us now there's the holy spirit birthing our spirit and then the Holy Spirit comes upon us and comes upon us and comes upon us and comes upon us and comes upon us. Paul speaks of this and the reason that's important that we have the Holy Spirit come upon us because Jesus had already breathed on the disciples and said receive the Spirit but he's breathed on them and they, he said receive the Spirit but he said you've got to wait for the power to come. Now that word power in the New Testament there is not dunamis it's exousia which means authority to act from God it's different from just dunamis it's different from just power for the sake of power this authority this power that Jesus is speaking about is a power that comes as an authorized power that is God's power in your hands now that's scary stuff but that's what happened at Pentecost and that's why it was important because the disciples were called by Jesus to stay and wait until this touch from heaven came, this power from heaven that touched the disciples and was touched each one of them. What happened in this time was there was the involvement of Jesus the person, the power of the Holy Spirit and the mission of Jesus to continue into all the earth. Jesus declared, you will receive power. This is in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's the power word of exousia in the, in the Greek. That's the power which is the authority power, not just power power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These were Jesus' final words to his disciples before the ascension. So they were fairly important. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go there. I want you to wait for the power to come. And when their power comes on you, you will then be my witnesses. So there's a release of power to be the witnesses of Jesus. 
And that's what we celebrate today as Pentecost. The fulfilment of the promise that Jesus made in John 14. Jesus was saying to the disciples, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to ask the Father to send. You can look it up if you don't believe me. It's 25, 26 in, in John 14. I'm going to ask the Father to send the Spirit. Now, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to send the Spirit. He said, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to come so that you won't be left as an orphan. You won't be left without knowing what to do. You won't be left alone. So Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit to the disciples before he left them so that he's saying, guys, don't worry, when I leave, and I am going to leave, and they're starting to get this message, I'm not going to be physically around you. It's like I'm not going to be standing here talking to you like this anymore. It's going to be by the Spirit of God that you're going to be encouraged, comforted, and released into ministry and empowered in your ministry. So that's what was promised by Jesus. And he said, now wait for this promise to come. It's going to come. I've promised it. It's coming from the Father. Hang around and wait. Now the disciples were all together in one room, it says. Now I think that all together word also means they were all together in one heart as well. They were all together there expectant and waiting for God to come. And he did. He came as he promised he would. Jesus knew we needed the Holy Spirit to be his representatives. We can't be without the Holy Spirit, his representatives. We can at best kind of be his representatives based out of a desire to be like Jesus, but we cannot be the disciples of Jesus without the Spirit of the living God within us. It is impossible. And we cannot be Jesus. You see, we, we, we mix up this word, be my witness into all the world, like I've got to go and tell people. No, you've got to go and show and tell people. You see, a lot of the witness is in the showing of who you are, the life you're leading, the way you smile at people, the way you don't growl at them. That's being a witness to Jesus. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, he lived a way that was attractive to people. Now, the word tells us he wasn't physically attractive. In fact, that said he was someone that you didn't look twice at makes me feel better because that doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to look good to be good for Jesus okay I don't wear a suit and tie very often these days it's there's nothing wrong with that by the way uh, but I don't wear them but you see Jesus wasn't anything special to look at the word tells us but he was attractive to people because people saw in him something that they wanted they wanted to know what was coming out of his mouth. They wanted to know what was coming out of his heart. That was the witness that the Holy Spirit brought through Jesus. And that is the witness that the Holy Spirit can bring through us, is to be a mirror of Jesus into the earth. But that kind of mirror is not something that is like external. It's something that shines out from us. That's how the mirroring of Jesus occurs. It's not like we stand there and say, look, look. Yeah, there's Jesus. It's like, no, it comes from out of here. That's the mirroring of the Holy Spirit. That's when we're an ambassador for Jesus. We step out in who Jesus is via the Holy Spirit. So the first fruits comes through to the ascension, comes through to Pentecost. It made sense for God to connect his plan for the future, I believe, with the schedules of the past and to change the game with the death, resurrection, ascension 
and the Holy Spirit coming. You see, Jesus, the Father took the history of the Jewish nation and the celebrations and he plugged into them all of what they understood and said, but have another look at this again into the future. This is what it's now going to look like. And the invitation for us is to be part of that. These are the events that were prepared by the prophets and by Jesus. Jesus in John 14, as I've mentioned, and also in Joel. And Peter quoted Joel in the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, where we read in Acts 2 that Peter was um, bold that day. And Peter was the one who was so bold that he ran with his tail between his legs when they said, aren't you with him? That same Peter, 50 days later, was suddenly bold enough to challenge the whole of the people. And what did he say? He said this. Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And this is after they'd all seen and heard in their own language these disciples talking. Now, let me set the scene for you. Carol did at the beginning, but some of you may not have been here. Here we have these disciples speaking in languages that were understood by the people that came from all over the then known world in that region and they were hearing in their language so the disciples were speaking languages that they didn't know or they were just speaking in Hebrew but the Holy Spirit was translating and it was being heard in whatever language it was it was it was a miracle of hearing that was important there. The Holy Spirit caused the people to hear. Now, this is a key point, I believe. The Holy Spirit caused the people to hear. So when you're testifying to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to cause the people to hear. It's not your clever words. It's not your special anointing. People will hear when the Holy Spirit comes and brings to their heart the message that the Father wants them to hear. You get it? So you don't have to be an anointed speaker to witness to Jesus. Okay, you just have to be open to the Holy Spirit to lead the conversation and you flow with it. And that's what happens when we follow the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, you people, let me explain this to you, because they thought they were drunk, you know, that, that, that all these, all these, the, the people listening said, "This bunch of Jews here, these, these half, you know, some of them are Galileans, which is even worse. They, they were like, they were hearing them, and they said they must be drunk to be carrying on like this. Because, actually, there's a piece I want to read to you. Uh, back at the beginning of chapter two, the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting." They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest where? On each of them. See, it wasn't just some whoosh around in the heavens. It was a touch on each one, on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. So then we go down to what Peter's saying. These men are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. 
No, it was what the prophet Joel spoke about when he said, In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, not just men. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm in the dreaming dreams category. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now that was significant because it was a, it was a patriarchal society. And here we see the word of God declaring that the power of God, the spirit of God, is going to be poured out on men and women. I've got a very good friend of mine who... Uh, a lady who's a minister in the United Church of Canada. And um, Donna's a feminist. That's, she calls herself that. Um, but she, she loves the Lord. And I mean, I'm not saying you can't be a feminist and not love the Lord, so don't misunderstand me. But, but she has all her life fought this idea that women had a place that was separate from and below men that was the culture and she even in her early life I visited a, the the family they went to the old churches that had a wall down the middle you know where the men were on one side and the women on the other there was a separation there but here we see that the spirit has come to all men and and she loves to tell me that she thinks Hebrew was written by Priscilla now, there's no scripture that tells us she doesn't it doesn't say it's written by Paul it's written by someone we don't know who. A lot of people say it's Paul, but she's quite convinced it's Priscilla. She loves to tell me that whenever I'm in touch. You know Priscilla wrote Hebrews because she knows that Hebrews is one of my favourite books of the Bible, so she always flags that. And I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I think it would be wonderful if it was Priscilla. I don't really mind. But what I'm saying is that there is no separation in God's heart between male and female when it comes to being touched by and anointed for being a witness of Jesus into the world. We are all in that place. So in Acts 2, on verse 36, Jesus, uh, Peter finished up by saying, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So here's this man who wasn't particularly bold, standing up, announcing what was happening, and then saying, and you guys, you killed him. And, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on them. And they said, what do we do now? What do we do? They realised, and it wasn't Peter's words, it was the Holy Spirit on Peter through that event that allowed him to say things that were bold and confronting, and it struck the heart of the people that heard it. The Holy Spirit ministered to them and challenged them to be repentant, confused. What do we do? We don't know what to do. Peter replied, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So he spoke to them and there were 3,000 added to the church that day. It's not a bad message, is it? So the disciples became empowered to be witnesses to Jesus. 
One of the things that happened yesterday morning when we were together praying, or actually what happened when I woke up yesterday morning, the Lord said to me the word patience. And that's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a song that my kids learnt way, way, way back uh, out of a musical. And it um, goes something like this, if I can remember it. Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think of all the times that others have to wait for you. There you go. That's our patience. <laughs> there, there, are, there are songs to each of, the, each of the fruits of the Spirit, but I won't sing them all for you. Because <laughs> I don't know them and I don't want to put you to sleep or have you leave before the message is finished. But the Lord was speaking to me about the fruit of the Spirit. And when we came together yesterday morning to pray, there was a lady who uh, came in for prayer or to prayer and she had just lost a member of the family and she said, the Lord's saying to me, comfort. I said, well, that's the comforter. The Holy Spirit comes as the comforter. So the Lord was wanting her to know the comfort of the Lord. And one of the other people said, well, it's about the Lord speaking about how we wait. It's like, yeah, how do we, how do we wait? Are we patient waiters or are we impatient waiters? So, you know, the Lord puts these things together. That's why I asked you when we started, what's the Lord saying? Is there a theme of what God is saying to us? To have the kingdom of God, presence and power flow to us through the world, even with a smile, this is the picture of the disciple of Jesus. And we cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. We can smile, but it's not coming from our heart. It's got to come from our heart. So we come to that place of intimacy, which is a part of this. Now, what's the picture of intimacy? John 17. John 17, one of my favourite scriptures. I read it in a minute. But here we have the Holy Spirit comes. The disciples are asked to wait so they can be witnesses, so they can be like Jesus, where they can be winsome in who they are, not how they look. Winsome for Jesus. And so the way they're winsome is the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, which we read in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit is what is evident in us when we have the Holy Spirit come upon us. That's not too hard to fathom, is it? Not too hard to follow. So if we look at the fruit of the spirit, why don't we for a moment? I can find it in here somewhere. I know it's in the book. I've read it before. You see, I don't have a, this is my computer, you know? I don't, I don't operate with a, with a notebook. Galatians 5.22, we read these words. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who confesses to having all those operative in their life? At times, not all the time. But that's the fruit of the Spirit in us. And that's the fruit of the Spirit that needs to be alive in us to shine out and bring the witness of Jesus to the world. How, do we, how are we doing with that? 
You know, we sang about no shame this morning, and I love that song. <clears throat> In other words, I can confess to you, my friends and family, that I'm not like that all the time. I, I want to be like that all the time. But my flesh hasn't fully gone away yet. It's, it's deader than it used to be. And I invite you to become deader every day to yourself and alive to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit will become more evident in us and be the witness to the world around us. It's a place of intimacy. Now that's a word that scares some people because our experience of intimacy hasn't always been good for everybody. We've been let down by people. I have. But can I tell you, can I tell you from my heart that I've never been let down by God? Ever. His timetables are different from mine. His procedures are different from mine. But I know that I know that I know that he has never let me down. He's taken me to places I haven't planned. He's allowed me to experience things I didn't want to experience. But they are part of him helping me to become more aware of how much he loves me. And that's for you too. That's for you too. You know, we get caught up in this world that tells us that it has to be a certain shape for it to be okay. We haven't got a clue of how to get the world to the shape that God wants it to be. Except for one thing, we can say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. However you do that, Lord, we trust you. We trust you to do that. And Lord, would you hold my hand on the way through? That's my prayer. So that I know that whether I'm standing on a landmine or falling off a cliff, I'm holding the hand of the one who will save me from being obliterated or smashed on the rocks. The rock that I fall on is the rock of Jesus. And I trust him. And we can't get that from being a Martha, by being busy about doing stuff. The story of Martha and Mary, we get it by being a Mary, someone who'll sit at Jesus' feet. That's how we come to be connected, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as I was walking through this story and picture of the Holy Spirit coming and, and realising that these disciples were already recipients of the Holy Spirit by him having breathed on, Jesus having breathed on them before this event, this was a coming of the Holy Spirit in power, which is when God was going to release what they needed to be the witnesses of Jesus. And Jesus said in John 17, this is how it's going to happen. He asked the Father to do it. Let's read it. Because sometimes we get told how, what we're going to do, but we've, we miss the fact that God's actually got it sorted on how. John 17. <clears throat> in verse 20, Jesus this is Jesus speaking to his disciples in this last week of his life on the earth. And he's saying, Father, well, he starts off at the beginning of it. 
Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. And this is Jesus speaking in an intimate way to the Father, but with the disciples hanging around. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And this is, a, this, this is here, this is in the book. It says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life. Knowing God the Father and knowing Jesus the Son. We enter into eternal life when we come to that communion with God. And the rest is a journey into eternity. Now, there's a phase where we still have flesh on our bones and we are walking in this time. But I walk now, as those of you that have given your lives to Jesus are, walking in eternal life. I'm living in eternal life right now. Because my old spirit has died. My new spirit, which has been born as a, as a result of being touched in the core of who I am by the Holy Spirit, when I said yes to Jesus, that's all I had to do was say, I really, really, really do believe you, Jesus, have died for my sins and I accept what you've done for me and I want to be your disciple. That's when I was born again. And that's when you were born again, if you've ever said that. If you haven't ever said that this morning, I want you to. Because if you haven't, you're, you're living life in a way that God never intended it for you to be. He wants more for you. But having started there, there's the rest. There's this journey into more. And Jesus goes on. And, and it's a beautiful... John 17, if, you've got, if you don't do anything else this year, spend time in John 17. I mean, John 15, I, I keep saying that's my favourite scripture i got lots of favorite scriptures but john 17 is powerful and and hopefully this morning it will become more powerful for you because jumping over to verse 20 jesus says my prayer uh, it's 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 also beautiful is not for them alone for those that he's with he says i pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that's me the message that the disciples took to the world has come down the ages and has landed with me. So Jesus right there was praying for me and you if you know Jesus. Do you know that? It's there. It's in red and white. Red, red is Jesus' words. It's in my Bible and it's truth. I want to tell you it's truth. So Jesus said that they would believe in me. Why? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Now just let that sink in. Father, just as you are in me, this is Jesus speaking to the Father in heaven, and I am in you. How's that? That's by the Spirit. May they also be in us. So we're being invited into Jesus and the Father. So that the world may believe that you've sent me. So you see, when we're in that place, we become a witness to Jesus. We cannot be even talking to anybody, but as we're walking down the street, we are a witness to Jesus. When we are in that relationship... 
I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. It's just such an amazing invitation of intimacy into the Godhead. And Jesus is asking the Father to have this happen for you and me. Father, I want those you've given to me to be with me where I am. In other words, don't live in this place of quarantined earthliness. Let's live in a place of connectedness into the heavens with Jesus because that's where he is now. And he's inviting us into that. And to see my glory, Jesus is saying, Father, I want to show my disciples my glory in heaven with you. That's a vision that Jesus has for you and me to have. If you've never had it, it's there for you today. The vision of Jesus in the heavens with the Father and all of the angels and the saints celebrating and worshipping. And we join in with that in worship. Or oh, we're meant to. That's the invitation. The glory you've given me because... Why? You loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you. What Jesus is saying is the world cannot know the Father because the world is limited by its understanding and that is an unsaved person cannot know God. Now, scriptures tell us that we can know about God, we can see him in creation and there's no excuse for us not to move towards God. But the truth is that it's only in Jesus Christ that we know God, the Father. No other way. That's why my heart aches for every other religion that wants to say you can find God this way. There is no other way to know the Father but through the Son, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Full stop, amen, no other way. So if you care about somebody and they're waffling on about their religion, you know, just cry for them. Because they're living in a way that does not bring life. Let them know you. I know you and they know that you've sent me, said Jesus. I have made you known to them. So Jesus is saying, I've made you known to them. And yes, he did. Remember when the disciples said, show us the Father? And Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's like you don't have to look too far You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's what it's meant for us to be like when people say, show us Jesus. Say, you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. That's what it's meant to be like. Now, we can say, but we're, we're not a really good example, but kind of there's parts of us that are like Jesus. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control. When that comes to the surface, we're like Jesus. When we reach out our hand in love and power and we ask the Holy Spirit to come, we're being like Jesus. We're showing people what Jesus is like. You getting it? Pardon? Okay. Jesus said, I've made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This, this, is, this is such a powerful picture of intimacy, I, I believe. Where Jesus is saying, Father, the love you have for me may be in them. That same love power that the Father has for the Son. Who's been with him since before creation. That same love power. Jesus is saying, Father, let it be between you and them too. Isn't that awesome? I, I mean, it just does my mind in. 
that God could love me as much as he loves Jesus. But he does. I have this understanding. It's not in scripture, but I, it kind of is. You can make it up out of it if you want to, and I'm, I want to. Is that God made himself to be incomplete without me. And you. Have a think about it. God's desire for us is so powerful that he won't give up until he has us in relationship with him. Jesus has asked for that. He's stated that. And so it's like God is like the prodigal father in the story we read in the scriptures. He's looking out for us to come back. And when the prodigal son appears over the horizon, the father runs to meet him. That father was aching for the son to come back. That's the ache in the Father's heart for us and for all those who don't yet know the Father. And so our, our, our opportunity is to be witnesses to Jesus in our daily living that others might go, I, I want some of that. I want some of that. So this day, all those years ago, <clears throat> 50 days after the resurrection, Jesus said, wait and the power will come on you. Now, how were they waiting? What do you reckon they were doing? Were they just sitting looking at their toes? Were they praying? Were they worshipping? Were they dancing? Well, <clears throat> probably all of the above. They were waiting on the Lord. And one of the things that the Lord has suggested we might do this morning is to wait on him the way the disciples did and have the Spirit come on us afresh today. That's an invitation from the Father. <clears throat> and one of the things that I believe the Lord wants to do is to have you hear his love voice to you today. Hear his love. Now, when we pray, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. He gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer. I like the way he prays. But at the same time, God has allowed us to come into this relationship with him through Jesus that we can be very real with what's in our heart. In the vineyard, one of the things we're taught when we're praying for healing is pray with your eyes open so you can see what the Holy Spirit's doing and you can bless that. Now that's one model of prayer. When I'm praying, I like to close my eyes because I want to see in my mind's eye, in my spirit, what the Lord is doing. And when I'm looking at somebody's lovely face, I can sometimes be distracted. If I'm praying for someone, I pray in the spirit and then I open my eyes as I'm praying the next part to see what God is doing. Do you get the difference? There's no rules about praying with your eyes open or your eyes closed, sitting, standing, bowing, kneeling, are all legitimate ways to be in connection with God. There is no one way to connect. But there is a way that I believe God has for us to enter into today, which is a little different from all of that. And that's to invite us into the spirit dance. Now, I don't dance much, but I do dance in my heart and my mind and my body moves with it as I dance with the Lord. And to me, the invitation of John 17 is a dance that connects me into 
the Spirit of God, Jesus and the Father in a way that no other way do I connect. And that's why I love the song that we sing, which is Dance With Me. Because it's an invitation. We're inviting Jesus to dance with us, but it's, it's just a song that says dance with me. But I think it has a lot more power in it than we sometimes allow for. But this picture of a spirit dance is something that I do. I close my eyes and I see myself as a wisp of smoke, if you like, swirling around in concert with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You getting a picture there? It's just me, the Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit just moving in a beautiful sense of communion and union not wanting anything but wanting to just be in that place of intimacy and communion. And that's when the Spirit comes. The Spirit of God touches me in very special ways when that happens. And he suggested that when he said open up the vault that maybe I invite you to do that this morning. I'm sharing what it is for me and inviting you to have a, have a play with the Lord. You see, God is also a God who loves to have us experience joy. Yeah, I think that's important, to experience joy. It's not all about being somber. It's not all about being, you know, sitting still and being quiet like you are now. And thank you for being quiet. That's very nice. I, 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 I'm, I'm pleased that you are paying attention. Or at least I think you are. You might be off dreaming. But... What I'm, what I'm offering this morning as an invitation from the Lord, I believe, is for us to just take a few minutes to have a dance with the Lord this morning. As we've experienced the Holy Spirit during worship this morning, I want to just ask the musos if they just come up and play dance with me. I'm going to invite you to stand and however you want to, or sit, but have a dance with the Lord and during this time, I believe the Spirit of God is going to come on us collectively, but individually, as he did back then in the upper room. Who'd like to do that? One, two, oh, there's a few. Okay, great. So I'm going to invite you to stand, but then you're free to sit if you don't want to stay standing. But for me... I find being able to move my body like this is a part of my expression of this dance before the Lord. See, this is me opening up the vault. This is who I am on the inside. You're getting a bit of a picture. The Lord said to do that today. So that you're, I invite you to this same sense of connectedness. Now, for me, I will close my eyes because, again, I don't want to see you swaying around. I want to see the Lord himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with me. And I'm inviting you to do the same. Now, you can open your eyes if you want to. Again, there's no rules to this. There's just an invitation to come into the dance and let the Holy Spirit bring to you the more of the intimacy of the Father. And this is how the power is transmitted and continues to be released and refreshed. You want to join me and stand? Thank you, Jesus, for the invitation into the dance. <laughs> Lord, that you would want to come and dance with me. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Father.
Father, that you would stand up from the throne with Jesus and with you, Holy Spirit. I want to dance with me. Thank you, Lord.